Hello, hello. Welcome to Think, Feel, Eat. I'm Donna Reesh, your teacher, your coach, your host, and I'm so excited to have you join me tonight to learn about hunger over hunger versus over desire, the differences between the two, the similarities between the two, and anecdotes, antidotes for both of those. Just a little language arts lady um, tip here, antidotes and antidotes are, are, are different. Those are two different words. Anti means you're trying to get rid of something. It's the opposite. So antidote is like a, a medicine. All right. That was free language arts lesson. All right. So anyway, um, as I said, I'm Donna Reese and I'm going to teach more information based off of um, continuing from last week's over hunger versus over desire part one. This is part two of a two-part series in Overhunger and Overdesire. So first of all, a quick review. I'm not going to spend a great deal of time in the review, but I do have all the information in the outline. So you can go to donnareesh.com forward slash think, feel, eat. Or go to donnareesh.com and you'll see the think, feel, eat at the top. You can go in and all 30 of the broadcasts are there. The previous, I don't know, 60 something broadcasts from Weight Loss Lifestyle are in the Weight Loss Lifestyle um, tab. And you can go to iTunes and find both shows. The newer one, Think, Feel, Eat, and then Weight Loss Lifestyle. And you'll find all the, if you go to the blog, you'll find everything. Like you get the outlines, you get the handouts, you get the graphics, you get it all because kind of girl I am. That's what I always tell my students whenever I give them less homework or I take off a spelling word that's too hard or something like that. I tell them that's the kind of girl I am. And they're so sweet and they appreciate it so much. All right. So over hunger versus over desire review. All right. If we remember from last week, over hunger is when we have true stomach hunger. So this is often um, caused by, or uh, I should say notified, we are notified by the hormone ghrelin with the growling, growling gremlins, okay, in the stomach, the fullness of the stomach has an effect on hunger. Over hunger, of course, would be that we're hungry more frequently than we want to be, or more, um, it takes more food to fill us up than what we think it should, or than what it we need to weigh the weight that we want. Um, and, um, or over hunger can be like too frequent of hunger. All right, so any kind of thing that basically we're so hungry for real food in our stomach, okay, I'm going to teach you a little bit about the difference between that and over cravings. We're so hungry that we have over hunger that keeps us from losing weight or keeps us from maintaining weight if we are at our ideal weight. Um, and so uh, this can happen various times, right? It can happen at the end of a fast. It can happen... Uh, when we don't eat enough during one of our meals, right? And of course, there are ways we can combat it. And that's what we talked about last week. Over desire, though, is when we desire food often without, without hunger. So over desire can, really doesn't have a lot to do with over hunger. We are simply wanting a certain food or a certain food type. And um, we can eat these foods even if we're already full. That's another characteristic of over-desire. Think about Thanksgiving. Why do we eat pie? Why do we eat a second piece of pie? Why do we eat a third piece of pie when we are so full? Um, so it's not as affected um, by fasting as much, but we're going to look into that. It is a little bit, but not as much as hunger. Hunger can 
really, really be affected by fasting. And um, it usually happens, over-desire usually happens when we continuously give in to hyperpalatable cravings, right? Hyperpalatable foods or cravings for hyperpalatable foods. So each one affects a different thing. Overhunger affects satiation. Some people call it being sated, and that is being full. Overdesire affects satisfaction. So we have satiation with hunger. We have satisfaction with cravings, okay? And a couple of keys just in general to keeping our body weight down or to losing weight is that we need to be satisfied. We need to be sated. We need to be satiated so that we don't have over hunger and we need to be satisfied. So the real question with the over desire is what does it take to satisfy us? What does it take to make us be content with the foods that we're eating? And one of the things with the perfect storm of weight loss and now moving into like our time, our way, W-E-I-G-H, with weight loss coaching specifically for women over 50, is that we have tried all of these other approaches that did not fit this bill. The reason we continuously go off of a program is not usually for hunger, because a lot of programs will have hunger mechanisms built into them, like so many, you know, like low carb has like so much fat and so much protein. Well, that those are satiating, so that takes care of hunger. Um, a lot of like Weight Watchers reward you for eating filling foods, so that takes care of hunger. So a lot of programs will have the satiation factor, the overhunger factor solved for us. But when it comes to the satisfaction, when does that song go? Can't get no satisfaction. Oh, double negative. Okay. Anyway, when it comes to satisfaction, we're just not. And this is where we, our programs break down, right? This is where we give in because we just, I can't stay on it. It's too strict. You know, I never get anything I like, you know, that kind of thing. And that is uh, promoting our over-desire. Now, both of these, whether we're talking about over-hunger or over-desire, both of them have the same end result. And we know what that is. That is overeating, right? Both over-hunger and over-desire result in overeating. And um, so in that way, they're alike. But another way that they're alike is that they can both be controlled quite a bit through st strategic actions. Downtoreach.com forward slash perfect storm. They can both be controlled in part through strategic actions. So I want to dig into over-desire by itself for a little bit. Uh, last This week, we talked a lot about overhunger last week. That would have been episode 29. This is episode 30. So um, I want to just dig into over-desire, defining it and giving some tricks for it by itself. And then we're gonna look at both of them combined again. So here we go. Some general tricks for over-desire. Uh, again, some tricks work for over-hunger and over-desire, but over-desire is based on food taste. It's based on memories. I'm gonna explain a little bit more in just a moment about that. But because our food memories trigger things like, oh, remember how we always have, um, you know, shrimp Alfredo on Christmas Eve, or remember how whenever we go away for the weekend, we always have pizza in the room, these type of things. And so those are associated with, those food memories are associated with over, uh, 
desire as well. Um, hyperpalatability, hyper being high, right? When we say somebody's hyperactive, they are high. Hyper, high, palatability is your tongue. So high tongue, <laughs> like we just, it just really tastes good. Hyperpalatability, palatability. Oh my word, that's six syllables. I thought six syllable words. All right, hyper, I don't really like hyperpalatability though, because it gets me in a lot of trouble, but I like the word. All right, and um, dopamine spikes, not as much with stomach space. And we know this to be true because of the reason I just mentioned that we can be completely full and still want some of those hyper palatable foods. So there are, um, you know, the overhunger tricks that really don't have as much effect, or at least we don't think they do. I'm going to show you today how many of the overhunger tricks really do have a similar effect. But some of those, like filling the stomach with three Fs, I'm going to show you how it does, but we don't think of that as having anything to do with our desire. We realize that when we eat something that's fluffy, fibrous, and fluidy, those are my three Fs, and fluidy is my very own word, even though word keeps telling me it's not a word. Fluffy, fibrous, and fluidy, three adjectives. This is what we, these are the foods that we need to eat, those three food types, fluffy, fibrous, and fluidy for the overhunger, right, to fill up our stomachs. But, um, that we we tend to think that only has to do with hunger but i'm going to show you how it also has to do with over desire drinking water fasting with fasting it causes us not to have to contend with hunger for so long right and while those might not have a huge effect on over desire there are many things that do have huge effects over it you know that you are dealing with over desire and not over hunger when it is food specific or food type specific. When what you are thinking, feeling, desiring is very food specific or food type specific. So just filling your stomach with anything will not work. And in that case, that means it is not hunger. It's not an over hunger problem. It is an over desire problem. Okay, so I talk a lot about dopamine spikes and you know I'm a fan big fan of uh, Dr. Stephen Guianet and his hungry brain. He is a brain body fatness researcher. Okay, so he's not a trendy kind of um, uh, celebrity kind of guru who maybe was a, um, a journalist or a teacher like me or a, um, um, a uh, you know, a um, bodybuilder or something like that. Those people are all great. I'm a teacher and I'm great, right? Those people are all great. But when you want real research, you need to go to the researchers, right? And those researchers can help. They're going to give you the best research and they're going to interpret it for you. Um, you know, they're going to give you the research, but then they're going to give you their interpretation of it. And then you can compare it with what you see when you try to look at the research. And that's what I love about Dr. Stephen DNA. He also doesn't have anything really in the, he isn't, he isn't making a bunch of money off of television appearances or anything like that. He is a true researcher. So anyway, you know that I love his teaching and you know that I've talked a lot about his six seductions. Now he doesn't call them six seductions because I am a curriculum author 
And so I have to name everything. So I took his seductive list and I called it the six seductive craving combinations, right? There are six items and the hyper palatability, that high tasting, you know, really hyper um, rich tasting uh, aspect of it, the, um, the uh, craving inducing, right? the seductive nature of foods will have some combination of those six. And um, different foods will have a different effect on different people, right? So while there are six main ones that he discusses, sugar, flour, fat, salt, protein, meaty flavors, I always forget to look up the spelling of that, udami. Um, it's like soy sauce, beef broth, bone broth, that type of like that brothy, you know how you just, I don't know about you, but you know how like a really, really well-made gravy, like I make really, really good beef gravy um, because I put coffee in my, I rub coffee on my pot roast and it makes like super, super intense, brown, deep, delicious gravy. And um, so anyway, you know how that, that's that, that's that unami, ah, I never do it right, unami flavor. You know what I'm talking about, okay? It's very savory, very salty, very um, yummy. Uh, you know, like you think about prime rib with, you know, a, a vernet, uh, what kind of sauce is that? I don't, I don't know my words today. Anyway, I don't know fancy words <laughs> about foods. But anyway, those kind of things, when you go and you want, you know, like I'm like, do you have any of the, of the brown peppercorn sauce, you know, to go with my uh, filet, you know? So anyway, that, that kind of sauce. All right, so those are the six, um, six, what I call the six seductive craving combinations. He just calls them six foods that cause cravings. <laughs> but he doesn't write for children. If you wrote for children, you would get way more creative on what you call them. All right, so those six, and it's the combinations of those, right? So for me, it's almost always sugar, flour, fat, sugar, flour, fat, sugar, flour, fat. Sometimes it is just sugar and fat. Like in the case of Dove milk chocolate, peanut M&Ms, something like that. But really, the ones that really get me are when I bring in flour in with it too. And I talked about that in a, an episode a long time ago, how I thought I discovered this. <laughs> Hubris, right? All right. So anyway, I did not discover it. But it was just like, I just remember telling Ray Baby, my husband, one day, I think I figured something out. It's not just any one thing. It's like, cupcakes and donuts and pastries and pie and homemade cookies it's flour and it's fat and it's sugar it's a trifecta because i have to name everything it's a trifecta and then i found out that dr stephen Gene, a brain researcher with like probably three or two or three or four more years of college than i have in a lot more in a lot deeper areas already figured it out already researched it, already called it um, uh, the um, seductive uh, foods. Anyway, so it's the combinations for people, okay? And it can also be textures, right? Like for me, I don't like cold foods. I don't like smooth foods. So that's a texture thing with me. And it can also be memories, like I mentioned before. All right, now I want to teach you a little bit about how dopamine spikes work. And this is, I, I had my, uh, one of my assistants make a chart 
but I don't want you to think that it is scientific, okay? Um, my coach drew this type of picture on her whiteboard for us, and it was like, wow, it just, it just made it all come together for me. Well, she doesn't claim to be a scientist, and I don't claim to be a scientist, but I want to show you my chart um, because it's really, I can find it here. Where are you chart? There it is. Because it just opened my eyes to so many things, changed my behaviors around pleasures as well. Okay, so here it is. And um, it looks scientific. That's why I want you to know it's not scientific. These numbers are not scientific. Uh, the, the, uh, the level of each dopamine spike for each thing is not scientific. It is a general look at dopamine. Okay, so dopamine is a reward and habit chemical uh, that is um, uh, released in the brain. Okay, motivation, habit, habituation, that type of thing. All right, I really should change this reward to um, motivation. So we're going to call it a motivation and habit chemical. All right, motivation and habit chemical. Now, the uh, thing about dopamine is that most of it is released in the brain. And uh, I'll write that down. Okay, so most of it is released in the brain. And it is a neurotransmitter. It's released, and, and I've watched a lot of videos about it, and it's super confusing to me. <laughs> But you can look it up on the, on the Googles or you can look up on YouTube videos and it shows how it's released from here and it goes over to here to this part of the brain and it is released during certain activities. Certain activities that cause us to get a high dopamine spike. Now they say, you know, it goes back to our ancestors who had a high dopamine spikes related to finding fattening foods because they needed fattening foods to stay alive. It goes back to our ancestors because they needed like to really, really, really love sex because they needed sex to keep civilization going, okay? So they needed these high dopamine spikes in order to make them go out and get the bison or the buffalo and get all that blubber, all that fat, all of the yunami flavors, all of the saltiness, all of the protein, all of that from that. Right. We have taken dopamine to a whole new level with our processed foods today that we're going to learn about here in a little bit. But I mean, that wasn't even on the radar, you know, but it was on the radar to get fattening foods, get fattening foods and get as much as you can because you don't know when you're going to get to eat again. Same thing with sex. Got to have sex. Got to have a lot of sex. Got to be sure that sex is enjoyable. It's we, we want it to be so enjoyable that we repeat that behavior over and over. So in that way, it is a motivational habit chemical. So the interesting thing is that we often think of dopamine as being like the first bite, and then we have dopamine, and we just want another bite and another bite. But that's not really true. What's really true is that from times past that we had that food, we have set up a motivation and habit loop with that. So, you know, I, maybe it's eating something in the car 
Maybe it is the pizza grease on the pizza box. Maybe it is a family get together and everybody brings their favorite dessert and how you feel. So it is associated not only with tasting the food, but also with memories of that food. And it actually happens before you ever take the first bite. And you stop and think how true this is because I have an, ex an example hot off the press here. My daughters and I are going to the melting pot this weekend. And uh, I mean, my dopamine spiking is so high that I could eat like fruits and vegetables for two days or three days before we go because that reward, that um, habit motivational chemical is there and I know that I'm going, I know what it's gonna be. I know, and I'm, and I'm like spiking off the charts because I can't wait to have that seductive food at the melting pot, right? It, it, it isn't, doesn't wait until I get to the melting pot. I'm already anticipating that it will happen. And so um, that is what makes it motivational and habitual. And that is why you hear all the time about children who have never had like ice cream or they've never had sugar, you know, parents who really, really guard what their kids eat and they don't ever give them like processed cookies and goldfish crackers and things like that. They only give them real food all the time and they have not had that dopamine spike for that ice cream or whatever. And then when they get it, they just about go crazy and then they'll do anything to get it again and to get it again and to get it again. Again, it is a motivational habit chemical. And hyper-addictive foods and hyper-addictive activities spike high amounts of dopamine in us. And lower simple pleasures release low amounts of dopamine. So let's look at the chart. I'll try and see if you can see my cursor on here. These over here are more, again, not scientific, okay, just for our purposes here to see the differences in dopamine spiking. And 10 is just a random number. It's not like dopamine 10 is bad and dopamine five is not bad. It's nothing like that. This is just a way of measuring it that I can show you. So show you that it's high. All right, so with these behaviors, sex, alcohol, gambling, seductive foods, for many people it's shopping. That's why people are, that's why they use the term shopaholics. And that's why QVC, um, I've never seen any of those shows, but there are other ones. I can't remember though. I'm not a big shopper. Oh, home network, home, something about shopping at home. Okay. That's why those are really big. That's why there are so many jokes on socials about Target, right? Because people get dopamine spikes from going into Target. Some people have to, is it, what do they have there? They have something. It, I don't know if it's Starbucks. I never go to Target either. Um, Starbucks, popcorn, I don't know, but there's something that people are like, I always have to have this when I first go there. And then there's like a dollar section and people can't stay out of that dollar section. High dopamine spikes from going shopping at Target, okay? Now, of course, Amazon gives us, I, I do get high dopamine spikes for shopping on Amazon because I love to shop on Amazon. School supplies, oh my goodness gracious. Toys for my grandkids, I love. Amazon books. I love shopping on Amazon. Okay, so these are all 10 types of behaviors. So they're habit forming. We teach our brains to want these over and over and over again. Okay, porn also falls under this. Um, any type of 12-step uh, program would fall under here. So like there's 12-step programs for gambling, for alcohol, for sex, for pornography, for um, 
drugs, shopping, right, seductive foods, those are all going to release this dopamine spike. And it just feels so good to be about to get to do one of those motivating habitual behaviors because we've set it up in our, because our brain releases the chemical and it's like, yes, I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that again. We needed that to be released to keep us alive. Now we don't need it to be released all the time, but it still is. And food manufacturers have really jumped on this. And now the hyper palatability and seductive nature of processed foods is just off the charts. We were never intended, like the sweetest thing that like our ancestors would have gotten would have been if they were lucky enough to find some honey, right? And even they have been known, Dr. Guillenet talks about this in his book and on his videos, that they have been known to like guzzle liters of honey if tribal communities find any honey, right? <laughs> they were so driven from that, that honey, that natural honey. Uh, berries would have been like a huge deal for the sweetness. And now we are off the charts. We were never intended to go to have all of these foods at our fingertips day in and day out. Okay, so then over here, these are what we call um, simple pleasures, okay? And these are five types of behaviors just for, um, like it's not like this is a 10 and this is a five. This could be a, a 200 and this could be a, a three or 20 or whatever, but I'm just trying to contrast them. So it can also be habit forming, but they are oftentimes not able to compete with the tens. So we tell people all the time, well, find something else to do so that you don't overeat. And they're like, okay, what should I do? Take a walk. Goodness. That's only a five. If you love nature, if you love sunshine, if you love listening to talking books, that wouldn't even be a five for most people. Right? And we're trying, to come, we're trying to tell somebody, find something else to do. Go take a bubble bath. Go take a walk. Uh, eat some nutrient-dense food. Hold a baby. You know, do some self-care. And we're trying to tell people to do that instead of these like off-the-charts dopamine-spiking activities and foods. And it's not that simple. right? And so we are not broken. We are not wrong because we want hyperpalatable foods. But we can use tools to make it less so. All right, so the next thing that was really interesting to me that I just learned like literally in the last couple of months is that dopamine can also be released from the, in the stomach in some cases for nutrient dense foods. So, and this made so much sense after I heard it because after we have eaten a whole day of healthy food and we just finished our last meal for the day and we sat and we went to our app and we turned off our food, we're done for the day and we only had nutrient-dense foods, and we ate really healthfully. It's like, oh, that feels so good, right? It's because there is a dopamine spike released like 20, 30, 40 minutes into our eating of healthy food. But it's released from the stomach. I don't know how long it takes to get to the brain. But it is definitely qualified over here as a simple pleasure. That nutrient-density spike from dopamine, small, small spike that we're going to get, but, we, but it is there. And now I know when it happens because I've had it before, um, but it doesn't compare to a cream-filled long john, right? And so the key is going to be, how can we reduce our behaviors over here and reduce our foods over here with these six seductive craving combinations and increase these? 
So at first, when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll do two of these and it'll equal that. Ha, huh. that never works, right? That never works. You can't just like eat really well and take a walk and suddenly feel as great as you felt when you had your favorite pie. It just doesn't work that way. So I'm always like trying to look for patterns and I was like five plus five is 10. So if this is a 10, we can make a 10 over here by putting two fives together. Unfortunately, seldom does that work. So I'm going to go off of my screen sharing and give you some ways to combat this. All right. So simple pleasures equals simple rewards. That's the bottom line. And while we want it to be like extravagant rewards, it's not going to come that way. So here are some tips to change your dopamine spikes from high calorie, high caloric seductive foods. I've told, I must have said this 50 times in the last year and a half on my broadcast. And that is to spread out the instances. Okay, there are many food programs like Food Anonymous, uh, Overeaters Anonymous, Brightline. They say the only way to eliminate it is to eliminate all the foods. So they cut out high fat, they cut out sugar, they cut out flour, okay? And they say that's the only way you're ever going to make it. And to tell you the truth, they do have the highest, um, highest success if people can stay on it long enough to get that new behavior, right? But that's not the real world. So how about what can we learn about the real world? I actually have a new broadcast coming up called what we can learn from the 12 step eating programs because it's just so compelling. But let's keep moving. Spread out the instances of them, right? Like say, these are my hyper palatable, my six seductive craving combinations. These are the worst ones for me and I will not have these more than one time a week, right? That doesn't mean you don't get anything sweet or anything savory or whatever your craving combination might be, but it does mean that we are going to reduce the instances. As we stretch out the instances, the next thing you know, we'll have less and less desire for it. So stretch them out by three days, and then by four days, and then by six days, and then once a week, you know, stretch those hyper, hyper palatable food items out. And your dopamine spikes from those will go down because you didn't get yourself motivated and habitual frequently from the spikes. Next, reduce the number of seductive elements in your treats. So I have found that just reducing the kind of treats, reducing the six seductive elements in the kind in the treats that I have, just reducing the kind of treats that I have. So animal crackers instead of Oreos. You see the big difference in seductive nature of animal crackers versus Oreos? Sugar-free frozen yogurt instead of full fat sugary ice cream. A simple nacho that you make at home with baked chips and ground turkey and light sour cream and not you know, just coated with queso and ground beef and avocados and sour cream and fried chips. What else do people put that, you know, really, really, really lots of cheese. That's going to be that full fat too. And that is going to uh, help you instead of, you know, making a simple nacho at home instead of those loaded ones. These this little tip right here, guys, it's gonna save calories. So it's gonna help us with our weight loss. But for me, even better than saving the calories is that it's going to decrease the dopamine spike since I have fewer of the six elements. Right? A simple 
sprouted bread, a simple whole grain pancake with, um, you know, sugar-free jam or something instead of white pancakes slathered in, you know, sugary syrup, big difference, right? So you are going to save calories, which across the board, if we just sit, save 30% everywhere, we would be at our ideal weights, most of us. But it's also going to do something amazing for your over desire. All right, so there are mine, Dove Milk Chocolate, Sugared Cereal Milk, Homemade Baked Good, Cream-Filled Pastries. I know which ones are mine. You'll know which ones are yours. And then next is plan your simple pleasures. Guys, I made a video and a free packet called Delights of the Day. Research shows that when you plan your fun things ahead of time, that some research shows that you get that same pleasure twice. Five plus five is 10. <laughs> we'll be at the same dopamine level as sex. No, we won't. Okay, so this research is so compelling. And it is why my son goes crazy planning our Disney trips. He enjoys the leading up, the planning the family Disney trips as much as he does the Disney trips. So he is getting that dopamine spike twice from a simple pleasure of vacation planning and then going on vacation, though there's nothing simple, and there's no simple pleasure in Disney World, but he gets this, the dopamine spike twice. The research is really compelling and so rewarding to us because we can plan our delights of the day ahead of time. So in the morning, I like to put on my list, I'm gonna lie down and read sometime, if I'm going to talk to the kids on the phone, if I'm gonna get to hold babies that day, you know, I have four grandkids, one and under, if I, and, and three others who are older, and I love holding all of them. And if I'm going to get to watch a movie, if I'm gonna to get to watch my Netflix that night, I plan that ahead of time. So then I get the joy from planning and I get the joy from actually carrying it out. Isn't that cool? So get that delights of the day packet and get your dopamine spikes from simple pleasures planned ahead. All right. Now I want to talk for a few minutes because I, I went over my 30 minutes again. I want to talk. I just say that matter of factly now, don't I? <laughs> so I want to talk um, again about things that I, I, I want to talk at the end here about things that affect over hunger and over desire. Okay. Some of these I've already mentioned, but I want to just bring it together and show you how they do both at the same time. And how when, you are, when you're doing these behaviors or these tips or these tools, how you will actually end up with um, double. Isn't that cool? You'll end up with helping your over hunger and you'll end up helping your over desire at the same time. The first one is my famous three Fs, fluffy, fibrous, fluidy, right? It's not fluidity. Fluidity is a noun. It's fluidity. I made it up and it's an adjective, okay? We're gonna, we're gonna call, because things that end in Y are often adjectives, but itties are not, they're nouns. So it's not fluidity, it's fluidity, okay? So it is fluffy, fibrous, and fluidity. Okay, we know from last week's training that this fills the stomach up for hunger, fill, help fills it up, help to, it helps fill it up. But guess what? It's usually real food. What did we just find out from our dopamine spike non-scientific chart? We just found out that real foods, simple pleasures cause less dopamine spiking. So you see how the three Fs are going to impact both. Okay, next is fasting. Again, right away we know that once we train ghrelin, once we train hunger, 
okay? And it's gonna take two to three weeks. That's why I think you should join the October course, guys, so I can help you every step of the way, get your fasting down pat. It's so worth it to get that under your belt because then you have that aspect of hunger and over, over hunger and all of that taken care of by fasting for 14, 16, 18, however many hours you want each day. But you are only gonna have hunger once your hunger is trained through fasting, you're only gonna have hunger five to eight hours a day to contend with. So fasting is huge on overhunger, as I explained last week. But it also helps with cravings because it lowers your insulin and it also helps you hear leptin better. Fasting in general, and this is some of the stuff that I teach in the IF course, fasting in general helps your leptin so you hear it better and so then you have fewer cravings. Sleep, I have another episode coming up called Sleep and Stress the two S's there. And I'm gonna go into great detail then. The, it's, it's really interesting research because it's, it's applying gambling research to food. So, so interesting. Um, but sleep lowers hunger, remarkable. You all know it's true because you didn't get much sleep and you couldn't figure out the whole next day why you were starving. I'm here to tell you why, okay? <laughs> all right, and, but then it also keeps your craving lower so you, and you don't have so many uh, inhibitions giving in to hyperpalatable foods. It's, it's just so interesting. Lack of sleep causes us to not have as much willpower. Weight loss lifestyle number 60 and 61. All right, and then eating higher protein. This is 0.8 to one gram per pound of body weight. Protein is the most satiating macronutrient. It stays in the stomach the longest. I mentioned last week how when I have one of these little Fairlife protein shakes, it just 150 calories and it's just like, whoa, babies, what in the world? Me, the teacher of liquid calories never help. How many times have you heard me say that? I had no idea that a 30 protein, 30 gram protein shake would do that to me for 150 calories especially. So um, I'm not advocating protein shakes a bunch. Plexus does have some great protein powders but, and protein shakes, but I think that you can get way too many calories in a shake and then you don't have enough calories left for real food. So you have to be careful with that. But, but I have found since I've increased my protein to 80 to 100 grams a day, depending on my, how, many, how much I'm eating that day, that I am way full, way longer stays in the stomach the longest. Um, also, when it comes to over desires, when you are focusing on protein, the thing that happens is that it pushes out your ability to have so many other foods because you're filling your calorie allotment with real meat. And then of course it's real foods and that helps with the over cravings, the over desire and the over hunger. Okay, one more thing, one more thing. I know I'm almost out of time, but this was so compelling. Just learned it, just hot off the press this week. And it is called vanishing calorie density. And you know how I've talked about how an apple is this big and has 100 calories, but the little teeny mini packets of peanut M&Ms have five in them or so, and could, you could hold them inside your hand literally. And this is gonna be the three Fs, fibrous, fluidy, and fluffy. And this is going to do nothing <laughs> literally, I mean like that much space in the bottom of your stomach, I don't even know how much, not very much. All right, and you've heard me talk about that over and over and over again. And that's why I talk about the three Fs and that's why I talk about real foods and that's why I talk about, you know, the, the uh, density, 
uh, nutrient density or the lack thereof of processed foods. Vanishing calorie density. Food scientists create foods that melt in our mouth. That's even a term, right? Oh, it just melts in your mouth. Have you seen that on commercials before? When I say this food melts in your mouth, what is the first thing that you think of? I use the term melt in your mouth for five or six foods, like repeatedly. One is prime rib or filet mignon. Two is Debrand's Sundays in a Sunday bowl and chocolate bowl. Three is my daughter's chocolate chip cookies. Four is Dove candy bars, Dove milk chocolate doves. Can't remember what the fifth one is. Okay. We use the term melt in our mouth randomly without realizing it really does. Who knew, right? Who knew? So food scientists create foods to melt in your mouth and essentially signal the brain, you're not really eating as much as you are. That's really not very much food. It just, I think about why these four little dove promises that eat, I think they're 120 or 130 calories for four of them. Why I feel like I just didn't even eat anything afterwards and why I need four more. <laughs> these foods disappear in your mouth and you often feel like you didn't eat anything at all. It takes so much of these foods to satiate or sate you and it takes more and more and more to get the reward from the food. Evaluate which foods are vanishing calorie density foods for you and get rid of those. I just, I can't get rid of my daughter's chocolate chip cookies or my Duran Sundays. And I only have prime rib or filet, like, I don't know, every other month or something like that. I don't, I hardly even eat beef, but um, because it's so calorie dense. But isn't that compelling? He was talking about the, the man I heard talking about was talking about like the Cheeto fingers and how those just, you just don't even know you're having so many Cheetos and Cheetos are crispy and a little bit puffy. But anyway, that's it, guys. We have the tools, right? We have the tools to combat over hunger way better than if we don't use any tools and to combat over desire way better than if we don't use any tools. Alrighty, if you want me to help you step-by-step, step, incrementally and individually, check out donnareach.com forward slash coaching and let's get you started today and applying everything that I teach in Think, Feel, Eat. I'll see you next week.